0: Hey, everyone. Welcome again to the Hell to the Cheese podcast. My name is Walter Ward and I'm super excited to be hosting again this edition of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is all about helping leaders level up into that next rung of leadership, whether it be in your personal life, your professional life, uh, your service life, wherever. This podcast is all about teasing out ideas and concepts that can help you level up in your leadership. This edition of the podcast is all about the life and leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, In my opinion, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of the most prolific human beings to have lived in the last century. And I believe clearly he was one of the greatest Americans that our country has ever produced. And again, on a podcast like Hail to the Chiefs, which is all about helping the next generation of leaders step into that role, uh, the importance of a person like Dr. King cannot be overstated. Dr. King matters to our leadership. And there are a number of reasons why, uh, one of the most clarion reasons why to me, is that leadership is not about popularity, and Dr. King proved that. He proved that the right decisions will be proven out in time. And at the time of MLK's death, nearly two-thirds of the country didn't approve of his work, and that included nearly 10% of African Americans. What I find interesting is that today, according to a CBS News poll, 94% of Americans now recognize the importance of Dr. King to the American story. I mean, you can turn on any TV uh, at any time and look at some political leader, uh, whether they be black, white, uh, supportive of the king of the causes that Dr. King fought for or not supportive. And they'll be using Dr. King as a way to justify what they're doing. (laughs) Um, I also find it interesting that we accept, uh, you know, this whitewashed version of Dr. King, if you will, uh, as a historical figure. But it's important to note that the accepted version of Dr. King today, the one that we celebrate on the holidays, the one that everyone is quoting, is not necessarily the same Dr. King, the historical figure uh, who led the civil rights movement for 13 years. That Dr. King, the historical one, was radically uncommon in his personal story, in his personal beliefs, in the words that he left us, and his nonviolent actions. And I'll speak more on that in a few moments. But before I get into all that, I want to talk a little bit about his life. But it's important to note that, again, you know, nearly two thirds of the country did not like this guy. I mean, and, and as a matter of fact, they really did not like Dr. King. Um, so it's just so odd to me that now, uh, you know, so many Americans celebrate him uh, as an American hero, even though, um, you know, many of our uh, predecessors didn't agree with Dr. King um, at all during that time, and it just proves that the right decisions, although not popular in the moment, oftentimes will be proven true in the end. The truth always comes out. You know, uh, to put it in the words of Dr. King, uh, "The moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice." Right. So, a little bit more about Dr. King and his his life. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was born Michael King Jr. on January 15th of 1929. Uh, His father famously changed both of their names to Martin Luther King uh, based on the the reformer, based on uh, an experience that his father had. uh, And that's how Michael King became Martin Luther King. Right. So he lived from January 15, 1929 to April 4th, 1968. Obviously, he was a Baptist minister, and activist. Obviously, he's one of the most prominent leaders in the civil rights movement from 55 until his assassination in 68. Obviously, he was an African American church leader and the son of an early civil rights activist and minister, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and he advanced civil rights for people of color in the United States. And I would even argue that he advanced civil rights for you know people um, who are you know um, non-white binary, right? Uh, in general, right? Going, he's still advancing people's civil rights across the the world, even though he's been gone for a number of years now, right? <sighs> And uh, what was interesting is that all this was done through nonviolence and civil disobedience, which is important to note for a number of reasons, and we'll talk about it. But he did all this through nonviolence and civil disobedience. So, why is that? Well, he was inspired by his Christian beliefs and the nonviolent activism of Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, and because of that, he led these targeted nonviolent resistance uh, programs against Jim Crow laws and other forms of discrimination. So he participated in and led marches for the right to vote, for desegregation, for labor rights, and a litany of other civil rights. He also oversaw the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott and later became the first president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or SCLC. King was one of the leaders of the 1963 March on Washington, where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech, which also was delivered, I believe, a week earlier in Detroit. Uh, as you know, people often remind me, uh, I'm from Detroit. He did deliver the, I have a dream speech a week earlier in Detroit. Uh, but he delivered that in 1963 during the march in Washington on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, if you go to Lincoln Memorial today, there's actually, you know, you can step right out on those steps and you can stand where he stood. And, uh, if you stand there and you think about, the words that he 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 spoke, you think about the, the time in which he lived and you think about things now, um, it can, you know, um, provoke provoke some emotion, as it did for me. <laughs> um, the civil rights movement achieved pivotal legislative gains. And this is important to note, too, especially when people say, hey, well, what did the civil rights movement actually get us? Well, it got us legislative gains with the Civil Rights Act of 1964 the Voting Act of 1965, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968. And those are all acts that we feel the impacts from today, right? Those are all acts where we feel the impacts from today. Those are real legislative acts that shifted the needle. It moved the needle, right? And it helped drive cultural awareness. It helped drive uh, uh, cultural change. And it most certainly drove legal change. Also, the SC the SCLC, the organization he was president of, put into practice the tactics of nonviolent protests with some successes by strategically choosing the methods and places in which protests were carried out. Right? Now, according to Dr. King in his letter from a Birmingham jail, essentially he was using nonviolent, those strategically picked moments to have these direct nonviolent actions. He specifically chose nonviolence as a tactic because it helped dramatize the issues. Uh, that weren't being talked about. It forced a conversation that needed to be had. And I think that's ingenious, although very brave, right? It was because of his success with that, that the FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, considered King as a radical and made him the object of the FBI's COINTELPRO from 1963 forward. COINTELPRO stands for counterintelligence program. Uh, it was actually used by the FBI, almost like a disinformation Campaign against certain um, political leaders, particularly those that were in the civil rights movement. Uh, you know, really interesting in and of itself. The COINTELPRO program. Um, you know, it's worth a movie. It's been mentioned in movies, but but go get go look it up when you get a chance. Uh, but essentially, Jagger Hoover made Dr. King um, a central object in the FBI's COINTELPRO program from 1963 four because of its success. <laughs> FBI agents investigated him for possible communist ties, they spotted his personal life, and secretly recorded him, even recording his bedroom behavior, right? The FBI in 1964 mailed King a threatening anonymous letter which he interpreted as an attempt to make him commit suicide. On October 14, 1964, King won the Nobel Peace Prize for combating racial inequality through nonviolence resistance. In 65, he helped organize two of the three Selma to Montgomery marches, and in his final years, He had expanded his focus to include opposition towards poverty, uh, certain types of capitalism, and the Vietnam War. In 1968, King was planning a national occupation of Washington, D.C., to be called the Poor People's Campaign, when he was assassinated on April 4th in Memphis, Tennessee. Again, Dr. King did more than just advancing uh, civil rights for people of color. His tactics and his blueprint were things that are still being used around the world today. As a matter of fact, the whole Occupy. Um, Wall Street movement was essentially uh, them carrying out the poor people's campaign that Dr. King had designed back in the late 60s. Now, obviously, King's death was followed by national mourning as well as major leading as major as major uh, riots in American cities. Uh, King was uh, posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1977 and the Congressional Medal of Honor in 2003. I'm sorry, Congressional Gold Medal in 2003. Now, in his lifetime, in the 38, 39 years that Dr. King lived, he wrote five books. The first, Stride Towards Freedom, was published in 1958 and chronicles the Montgomery bus boycott. The second, The Measure of a Man, was published in 1959 and is a collection of his sermons. The third, Why We Can't Wait, was published in 1964 and discusses the civil rights movement. The fourth, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community, was published in 67. And discusses the need for economic justice. The fifth and final book, I've Been to the Mountaintop, was published in 1968 and is a collection of his sermons. I'll also throw a six in there, even though it was actually an essay, but I consider his letter from a Birmingham jail a sixth book. Uh, on April 16, 1963, he was confined to the Birmingham jail and he was serving a sentence for participating in the civil rights demonstrations. Uh, as he wrote in the letter, alone for days in the dull monotony of a narrow jail cell, King pondered a letter that his fellow clergyman had published in a newspaper, essentially urging him to drop his campaign of nonviolent resistance and to leave the battle for racial equality to the courts. In response, King drafted his most extensive and forceful written statement against social injustice, a remarkable essay that focused the world's attention on Birmingham and spurred the famous March on Washington. Bristling with the energy and resonance of his great speeches, letter from a Birmingham jail is both a compelling defense of nonviolent demonstration and a rallying cry for an end to the social discrimination that is just as powerful today as it was many, many, many years ago. Now, what are some leadership lessons that we can take from the life of Dr. King? Um, The first is, I'm going to say, be a yes and and not an either or. So everything that Dr. King did, he did before he was 38 years old. And I find that amazing. So he goes to Morehouse College at age 15. He graduates at age 19, I believe. He goes on a closer seminary and, you know, in the Northeast. Uh, he comes back, he pastors a church in Alabama. He pastors a church in, in Atlanta. He gets married. He has children. Uh, he leads all these, um, these activations and writes these books all before the age of 38. And, um, It's just a reminder that sometimes we get caught up in the, you know, the go to work, come home life. We get caught up in the chasing pleasures life. We get caught up in the, you know, wanting to be comfortable all the time life. We get caught up in wanting to chase all the latest fads and chasing money. But it's important that you can do that stuff and, you know, be impactful in your community. You can uh, work at your job. And, you know, do something that leaves something for humanity. You can um, you don't have to be an either or you can be a yes. And as Dr. King was um, and a uses time. Well, the second leadership lesson that I'm going to talk about today from Dr. King is that words matter, especially when it comes to how you say them and organize them. A well articulated thought and argument goes a long way in allowing us to connect with other people. You know, humans in many ways are wired for stories. We're wired for words. We connect with words. It's why when someone speaks well, they tell good stories. We all want to be engaged and listen to that individual. And I think oftentimes we forget that leadership in many ways, that's a skill that you need to have to rally people together. It's something that's hard to develop, but once you develop it, it's, it is an invaluable skill. You have to be able to connect people through your words And in many ways, your actions have to be aligned with those words to drive the power behind the words. So that's lesson number two. Words matter, especially when it comes to how you say them and organize them, because people are wired for stories and words. Three is that allyship and good citizenship is about rejecting apathy and developing a deep understanding of the issues at hand. If you go back and read his letter from a Birmingham jail, In many ways, he it is a stinging rebuke to his um, fellow religious leaders, particularly um, his white fellow religious leaders, who really felt that he was moving too fast and he should leave things to the courts. Um, And he goes into this litany of um, essentially how what he describes as the white moderate is actually more dangerous to the movement than even the Ku Klux Klan. And based on what he's saying in the letter. The two things that you can glean from what he's saying is that um, good allyship is about rejecting apathy. And it's about developing a deep understanding of the issues at hand, particularly with the group of people that you consider uh, your friends and in the world in which you live. The fourth and final lesson that I'm going to bring up about Dr. King in this particular podcast is that your time is limited. Remember, Dr. King led the civil rights movement for 13 years. But towards the end, there were younger leaders with a slightly different message that were emerging and his popularity, Dr. King's popularity was decreasing even more because of the rise in popularity of these other younger leaders, right? Dr. King's story is a reminder to us to say what you have to say while you have an opportunity to say it and do what you have to do while you have an opportunity to do it because they won't always be there. It's a reminder to me. It's a reminder to anyone out there, again, Say what you have to say while you have an opportunity to say it and do what you have to do while you have an opportunity to do it, because the time will always be there. You can apply that to work. You can apply it to how you live your personal life. You got to do what you got to do while you can. Say what you got to say while you can. Uh, and that's lesson number four. Um, if you enjoy listening to this podcast and you think someone else should listen to it, I would love it if you would share this podcast, number one. And two, um, I like to produce these in a, you know, a more rapid fashion. Um, But to do that, you know, I need some sort of um, almost like a podcast producer to help organize the content and my time around recording these. If that's something that you want to do, please reach out to me on social media at Walt Ward 3 or, you know, click the link in the show notes and uh, we'll get together and we'll talk about um, how I can do that. But again, if you're interested in becoming like a, uh, you know, a showrunner or a producer of this podcast, uh, I'd love it. It would help me out tremendously and it would help uh, speed up the the pace in which I produce these. Um, yeah. Hit me up on social media at Walt 3. Share this podcast. Uh, love you. God bless you. It's been great. And I will talk to you in the next episode.